0: like when you score a touchdown, you've done all that work, you know, mm-hmm. to get there, you do your little dance and you go sit in the sidelines. It's kind of how it feels like, you know, yeah. I, I mean, it's um, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I did it. And then it's yeah. like two minutes of elation and then he goes sit down and get back to work, yeah, you know,
1: You are now connected with Enclave for Entrepreneurs at O'Hare International Airport in Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Enclave O'Hare, the local to global learning and earning center for entrepreneurs and their influencers. On December 19, 2018, we heard from Eric Broughton, CEO of ApartmentJet, which was recently acquired by Expedia. Eric shows the psychological and emotional effects of the venture acquisition process during our conversation. Enjoy Eric's takeaways from the journeys he was on, he is on, and he will have ahead.
0: Eric Rotten, I'm currently the general manager of the multifamily division at Expedia, and I currently live in Naperville, Illinois.
1: Excellent. Excellent. And, uh, not to mention, you're also the Enclave Entrepreneur of the Year for 2018.
0: I am. I just, uh, yes, I just received that tonight. So, yeah, very exciting. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you That's very great. much. That's great.
1: So prior to your current role, yes. you've had some um, opportunities to Build some businesses. You had some yes. really great ideas that you were able to mm-hmm. turn into right. a business and and sell. And that's a big part of and really mainly what tonight was all about. And, yes. and tonight's title was facing victory of selling a venture.
0: Yes. Um, right. yes. And
1: and of course you know we're here at Enclave. So a big piece of it is. Not so much the nuts and bolts of how you actually go about selling a business, but much more on you as an individual, right? Psychological effects and those kind of things. So talk to mm-hmm. us a little bit, I guess, about maybe more from a business standpoint, kind of how that's gone in your journey in that, Absolutely. and we'll we'll d- dive a little bit deeper in the psychological. Yeah, side. I thought it
0: it was an interesting perspective to take a step back and think about the emotional side, because really, you know, you're thinking. Everyone thinks about the financial aspects of mm-hmm. having an exit. And even talking uh, tonight uh, at, at the Enclave about just the last exit that I had, even that term facing victory, mm-hmm. to, to think about it from the perspective of almost like an adverse reaction to being victorious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, as I was kind of walking towards uh, this room, I was thinking about like when you score a touchdown, you, you've done all that work you know, mm-hmm. to get there do your little dance and you go sit in the sidelines. It's kind of how it feels like, you know, yeah. I, I mean, it's. Uh, Thanks. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I did it. And then yeah. it's like two minutes of elation. And then you go sit down and get back to work. Yeah, you know, go back and to you the game. Kind of, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. So that's kind of how I, how it feels emotionally. But you don't really think about that. And from the outsider's perspective, they're still, you know, giving you high fives and slapping in your back. Uh, but emotionally, it's done and you're on to the next thing already.
1: Yeah. And that's tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And talk to us a little bit at, from that standpoint. You've this is you've done two, you've built two businesses and sold. So can you just give us some background on on both of those? Yeah.
0: So I've had three exits. I've built two of them. Okay. Uh, the first one was a concept that I had. Uh, um, it was a company called Yield Technologies, mm-hmm. um, the group within Morgan Stanley Real Estate, the more consultative uh, within their entities. And then during the financial collapse, two thousand eight, they pulled our charter and allowed us to go external to Morgan Stanley. We took some of that mindset and created a product called Rent Sentinel, Mm -hmm. and that grew really fast Mm -hmm. within the multifamily apartment industry. So really more of a prop tech or real estate tech uh, platform, and that became the number one marketing management platform in multifamily, sold that to RealPage, a public company. Mm -hmm. And as part of that exit, I became president of a division, Mm -hmm. which used to be our competitor. And then part of my role there was to combine about five different entities that they'd acquired throughout the years. So I managed that for about a year and a half, actually close to two years. And then I was recruited away to run an entity in San Antonio called eSupply Systems. Mm-hmm. So also in the multifamily industry. Let's think about like an Amazon.com, mm-hmm. uh, but for apartment buildings. So everything from paint to flooring to toilets to sinks to everything in between, mm-hmm. uh, ordering those supplies, and you could narrow it down and then get the best pricing. And then uh, mm-hmm. I actually exited that company to RealPage as well so the second company i didn't create that from scratch i was brought in to turn it around mm-hmm. uh, and i can talk about that more if you'd like as well pretty mm-hmm. difficult turnaround uh, but then instead of staying on as a as another executive at RealPage, i had this concept for apartment jet because i'd, I'd heard some executives complain about uh, the emergence of airbnb and the sharing economy and their inability to profit and to be a participate in that economy mm-hmm. uh, so i negotiated as part of my uh, sale to real page just a three-month contracting mm-hmm. consultant role and i took that time to build apartment jet with my two two other co-founders and those are two individuals that i'd built two companies go on rent sentinel with mm-hmm. so i brought the band back together created the platform apartment jet and really just uh, took off from there, pun intended. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> right. absolutely.
1: So can you, and that was one of the things tonight that I heard personally that interested mm-hmm. me a lot is when you were talking about the folks that as Airbnb is emerging, these yes. you know complaints that they're having, and, yes. and I think that's what makes any entrepreneur an entrepreneur right. is that you're sitting there and, I, you know, oh, it's a business problem. Okay, how Correct. can I actually turn this into something? Cause can you talk a little bit about that for you? Obviously, absolutely. as an individual, this is not, that's not the only time you've done that in your life, right. and then, Built it and turn it into something. So that's, can
0: you... that's a that's very insightful uh, question. How you're looking at it, and that you're absolutely right. When you're an entrepreneur, the best thing to do is have an expertise and knowledge in a certain space that maybe not everyone else in the world does, and then the ability to take a step back and go, okay, there's components that I can bring together and make something much more valuable mm-hmm. than what currently exists. So basically, I was able to build a platform that took Airbnb and made it compatible with the multifamily industry. Mm -hmm. So as I went and interviewed different executives, I realized they were really concerned about the security of their community, their Mm -hmm. people that live there. So I went to TransUnion, and I got their background screening, and I figured out a way to get that integrated with with Airbnb. Mm -hmm. And they said, well... What if someone lights a candle, <laughs> you know? They're on vacation here. They hit a golf ball off their off their you know deck and yeah. it breaks a window. And then I said, okay, let me fix that. And I went out and got a partnership with uh, an insurance company. Mm-hmm. So it's just every time a hurdle was presented to me, I figure out a way to get around it. But the most important part was to do that in a way that would scale. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I learned early on: <clears throat> always build something that's going to scale because once that flywheel gets going that's when you want to grow so fast because if you have to touch everybody you have to touch every concept you have to have every conversation that's really more of a consulting business a service-based business if you have a product that you can just roll and and just and just take off without you having to be there every second of every day and mm-hmm. you can start to have larger salespeople, larger uh, platforms that roll that out that's where it becomes a true product and true success
1: how do you, you know, I, I work personally with a lot of organizations that are going from small yep. to now kind of mid-sized, right? So there's yep. a lot of these, these obviously, entrepreneurs, family-owned businesses. right? Can you talk to me a little bit more just just specifically yep. on that point of having to start to let go of a absolutely. lot of these pieces? Because I do see a lot of entrepreneurs that I yes. have conversations with that that is absolutely a difficult absolutely. thing for them to get over. And talk about the psychological part. part absolutely. Of that.
0: It's, it's absolutely a difficult part to let go. And I think it's... What made you successful in the beginning mm-hmm. is, not what's, is not what's going to make you successful You know, two years, three years into it. Mm-hmm. It's because when you're in the beginning, it's all about execution, time to market, mm-hmm. get it, go, 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 go. Once you start that flywheel going, then it's more about hiring the right people. Mm-hmm. So that it's in the beginning, it's, it's you and how you make things happen. After about two years or maybe based on your revenue cycle, whatever your metrics are, that's when it becomes hiring the right people and then relinquishing and let those great people do a great job. Yeah. Because if you're stifling them, you're micromanaging them, then it's just you, you know, cloned. Mm-hmm. And that's actually much, it's not as good as people think it is. It's like a baseball team full of shortstops. It sounds great, <laughs> yeah. you know, but you, you need a couple outfielders. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You don't want, the shortstop's great, but you don't want them as your catcher. You that's need right. different utilities players. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of where you start thinking about how. Where your strengths are and, and where your where your roles play as you, as you grow the organization, and and I see a lot of groups that you can see that plateau is a lot longer when the CEO or the founder holds on longer than they should to a certain role, whether it's finance or development or sales, what have you.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. that tenure maybe is not the best thing. Exactly, absolutely, Correct. you got it. Another thing that we talked about, as long as we're on this this role of developing people and and kind of branching out, is John mentioned in in his coaching with you and experience with you that, um, your openness to take a look at things and and people in particular, and kind of peel the onion with the individuals that you're bringing on to help build this, right? Can you talk a little bit more about that.
0: Absolutely. I think it um it goes back to my 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 education is in engineering. I'm an electrical engineer. Mm-hmm. and sometimes it's a weakness because I don't have as much emotional uh, intelligence as I probably should because mm-hmm. I'm almost too critical of, of of looking at just the numbers and the productivity. But when you do take a step back and look at the emotional side of it, I think you're able to start seeing people be more successful, more more driven if you give them that freedom and that opportunity to create in their own window. Mm-hmm. But what I like to do is it's almost like, um, I'm probably using too many sports analogies, but that's right. you know, once Relatable. You know the, yeah, exactly. Once you know the rules for the field, mm-hmm. I think that's when the creativity can evolve. Right. You know, Figure out what those bookends are. And as long as I know that these are the rules, I can be as creative as I want in these rules. And that's what I try to do with my teams is try to say, okay, this is what I need you to accomplish. This is the North Star, the goal that we're trying to accomplish. And then what I do is I set up now, these are the ground rules that I find personally, you know, mm-hmm. to, to stick with. Mm-hmm. And then from there I let them get creative. And I'm usually pretty amazed at what they're able to do in that in that time.
1: It's funny that you bring up, you know, the the concept of being an engineer and kind of having mm-hmm. that train of thought. I yes. sat down with a dr morrison a while back and we we were having a conversation i deal a lot with um the accounting community and and in the past actually i did business development for engineering firms ah there you go so and i'm a i'm a sales business development background and brain right um and i what was very interesting and it it, it's kind of obvious but it in the way he described to me was really interesting is he goes the engineering type brains are very yes. rigid in the way that you think, yes. right? Which yes. is a good thing. That's yep. that's not a bad thing. Right. Um, having that ability to be black and white and to say, yep, this mm-hmm. works, this doesn't, those kind right. of things. But the ability to bring in somebody who has a little bit more of a creative mind on yes. that set, so like you said, that's we're right. going to set the bounds here, but you're building a business. So Absolutely. There's so much opportunity, exactly you know, right. opposed to a corporation or something yeah. like that.
0: I think one of the things that helped me as well in my career, and this is before I became truly an entrepreneur, is i was that i was a you know electrical engineer then i became more of a software engineer i was writing code and database developer data architect and then i transitioned to project management but then i started to see i'm starting to get these large contracts and these sales guys are driving off in their shiny red bmw and <laughs> i'm getting the contracts with the cio yeah uh so i thought okay i'll try my hand at the sales game and i did that for a while for about um, about 18 months mm-hmm. and um it was more of a solutions manager type role but it was sales at the end of the day And it took me about maybe about six months before I I had a more senior level salesperson was on a call with me. And we're talking to the client and uh, the client starts giving this uh, the sales guy kind of a rough times. And, you know, last week we're here. You didn't show up. Mm -hmm. And all this stuff. And uh, by the end of the conversation, the guy was apologizing. And they just stopped mid-sentence to go, oh, we're just messing with
1: you. And
0: "And we're having so much fun. And it kind of struck me because I was thinking as an engineer, I have to define my value proposition. I have to talk to them about this is what my product does. Boom, boom, boom. And at the end of the day, they wanted to have fun, and I forgot. I didn't understand that component. Mm-hmm. And that was just that little bit. And then from there on, I became a much better salesperson because yep. I enjoyed it. I had a smile yeah. on my face. Humanized it, was, it a little bit. Humanized it, exactly. Yep. So, yeah. so I think it was important, and maybe every engineer should do that, especially if you're an entrepreneur, Put on that sales hat. It's a lot harder than you think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as you know. Oh yeah. Yeah, everyone thinks salespeople just drive around and play golf and uh, take Yeah, we just take to people
1: to lunch all take day. Take people to lunch and have drinks. That's all you do. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: And smile and have a good time. Yep. It's a very difficult job. You're yep. overcoming uh you know objections. Yep. And um and that's actually helped me accelerate my products. The last uh, couple companies, I am the first salesperson Correct. as a CEO. I get in front and it hurt helped me hear objections. I was able to go back to my engineering team and have them retool the product and or or get uh, break down those hurdles. Oh yeah! Instead of someone at you know a corporate saying, "Oh, it's fine. Just tell them. to Don't worry about it." No, mm-hmm. I, I've lost the last three deals because of that. So that that's been a big benefit for me to really accelerate my development.
1: There is nothing to me in the business world more powerful than a very technical person that even if it does take six months, however long, to kind of ha- build some of that self-actualization and say, you know what, okay, maybe I do need to right. humanize this a little bit and have that conversation a little bit more. And Because and, right. think about that. You immediately took that feedback yes. from just having that g- genuine conversation with these That's folks, right. and you were the person that goes, okay, now we're going to go remanufacture and re-engineer this exactly on the back end, right. and, and you knew exactly how to fix it and That's who you right. needed to go to to do That's that. That's
0: exactly right. Yeah, awesome. I, I talked about the TransUnion partnership. It was... The couple executives said, I'm just worried about my residence. You know, you're going to bring these random people. And I thought, how the heck do I solve that? Well, I'll do the same thing they're doing. They're doing background checks. And and it's going to be hard for a property manager, a property owner to say, no, your background checks aren't as good as mine are. Well, mine are exactly the same. Mm -hmm. I'm using the same partner that you use. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. Yeah. Okay. Good luck. Next objection. Yep. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So I think, you know, we're at a point in time in in the world today where there's a lot of business owners that are, you know, businesses transitioning, right? There's a lot of baby boomers that are retiring, and I think that there's a lot of folks that are either going to exit their business right um, or, you know, make a transition or any of those kind of things. Yeah. What do you say to the entrepreneur to, that's, you know, listening in on this and saying, you know, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this transition. we either going to sell, do something. Not so much, once again, from the business standpoint, of yes. course, but how do they mentally prepare for a lot of this stuff?
0: A big part, and this is this is tough. Uh, it's a conversation I just had walking down here. Is that someone said, "Well, how did how could you just exit that company? Wasn't that your baby?" Mm-hmm. And uh, and I and I never want to look at it as a baby, and uh, because the only way you should consider it your baby if, if you think you can only have one good idea in your lifetime, then hold on to it. You know, <laughs> yeah. never let it go. It's a great perspective. Yeah, but uh, so my perspective is, and it comes from being raised in a farm, mm-hmm. is that so? Think of like cattle. So you raise cattle, and uh, maybe you have a small farm. So you you have a couple calves. You watch them grow, and you you actually care for and love these cattle, you know, they're really important, mm-hmm. but eventually you're going to sell them and they move off to market. Mm-hmm. That's, um, it may be harsh, but that's kind of how I look at my businesses. Mm-hmm. I look at, I, I raise them. I care about them in the moment. And I'm talking about the business, not the people. Cause those are two different, totally different things mm-hmm. with the business. You look at that as, as it's an entity that eventually is going to go off to market mm-hmm. and you do as best you can in that time with mm-hmm. that. But then once it's gone and someone else has paid for it, it's there. That's mm-hmm. their cow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? That's so, right. Yeah. So that's kind of how I look at businesses. Yeah.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. One other thing that we talked about tonight was kind of the element of, of going through this kind of journey that you've gone on and also being a, a family man, a yeah. uh, family person, and, yes. and that dynamic and consideration when you're um, right. having these these thoughts and these feelings of, of building the business. So can you just dive a little bit into that on your experience. Yeah,
0: uh-huh. absolutely. I, transparency and everything even in business is, is great but a family is even more so mm-hmm. uh, if I'm traveling a lot and I'm going on business I sit down with my I have three daughters mm-hmm. uh, 21 16 and 14 now mm-hmm. but even since they were little I even have pictures of them at my old offices I bring them in show them where I work what does dad do I sit them down and explain to them what what kind of business I do so Dad's got to fly to San Francisco. Not just dad's just on a plane somewhere going to somewhere distant place for no reason. I like to sit them down and say, this is the reason I'm going. This is what we're doing. Uh, sitting down with my wife before I spoke about earlier tonight was about the entrepreneurial journey. Before you go on that journey, especially when you're taking your salary and your compensation down to about 10% of what they're used to, uh, really have that collaborative conversation and say, are we ready to go on this journey together? Because at the end of the day, they are in that, they're in that boat with you as much as anyone else is, as much as a business partner, because they are your partner. And if you go home and you're frustrated, you had a bad day, if they know where you're coming from and where you're going, it's a much easier conversation than if they're just in the dark and just, dad just came home angry. Mm-hmm. That's not helpful or, or frustrated, probably a better way to look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So always keep, have that transparency at home. Now there's some things you don't share, you know, of course, financials and different things. And, uh, but I like to keep it as open as possible. And also I hope that someday they become entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and, uh, You know, and I'm not just talking about all the sunshiny things. Oh, it's so great! You know, Dad doesn't report to anybody. You know, he just does whatever he wants. You know, (laughs) Uh, it's a little bit different than that. It's hey, there's some tough things, and and um, actually, probably one of the best uh, conversations, and it was very difficult. I came home. I was in a pretty bad mood, Mm -hmm. and I sat the kids down and Mrs. down. I was at the dinner table and said, "Had to let some people go today." You know, and and uh, I think I was trying to. Show them some empathy. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are having a bad day. So like, you think we're having a bad day? Some other, some other dad or mom is coming home right now and having to tell their kids, "Hey, I lost my job today." Yeah, you know, and figure out. Yeah, figure starting out starting right next. now. What exactly, do we got exactly? Yeah. Exactly. So having those conversations helps them understand, and it's and it's tough. But you know, if they just see the sunshine all the time, I don't think that's as, that's healthy. They need to understand that it's a cloudy days sometimes. I respect that very all much. Right, I agree cool. with it
1: for sure. Thank you. Anything, you know, for, for the entrepreneur that's out there on the street listening to this, anything else that you would want to to just say in general in your journey? And, and one thing maybe to help with as you're thinking of that is something that you wish you would have known before you started this whole thing yeah. that you know very much now.
0: Oh, uh, the, the number one thing I would say, and that's, it's interesting you ask this because it just popped my brain, is thats is that don't just assume that people that are in higher positions that have the venture capital money know exactly what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, listen to them, internalize it, and then verify. You know, kind of the, trust what they're saying, but verify it, run it around a little bit, get some other conversations, to understand what others are saying, and then ma- then formulate your own opinion. Mm-hmm. That's probably the biggest thing that I've learned over time is I just made some assumptions that people in certain positions knew exactly what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And uh, once I finally – and I'm a kid from South Dakota, so I just assume everyone's telling me the truth. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and all they want to do is help you out? Yeah, exactly. In <laughs> Chicago, they call it
0: gullible. <laughs> but, yeah, where I'm from, you're just trustworthy and you're just a good guy. That's right. You know, yeah, so that's what I kind of expected when I first moved here. And then quickly learn that's not always the case. So I think that's one. And the second thing I would say is um, – is uh, if if you're going to build a business you're going to start growing it, make sure it's really a business and it's not a hobby. Um, a lot of people go into hobbies and they try to make it into a business and it ruins the hobby for them. You have to have a business idea that's going to create revenue, it's create, create profit uh, for someone for them to purchase it. And mm-hmm. I know that's not exactly the Silicon Valley idea, mm-hmm. but it's worked for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I believe in is I believe in creating value. others, Mm -hmm. Uh, not through trickery or sleight of hand. Mm -hmm. It has to create real value. And Mm -hmm. as long as I'm doing that, someone else will
1: see value in it as well and eventually have a great exit. Wow. Those are all fantastic reminders of another great night of conversation at Enclave O'Hare. And for our listeners, you're invited on the third Wednesday of every month to join us for our conversation at Enclave O'Hare. For more information, log on to enclaveforentrepreneurs.com. This is Scott Brown. Thank you for listening.